The Kindness Podcast is made possible by Cornwell Properties in Athens, Ohio. Cornwell Properties offers Ohio University students the best locations to live in Athens. All of their apartments are either on Court Street or within one block. Cornwell Properties. Location matters. Visit their website, cornwellpropertiesathens.com, for more information. Welcome to the Kindness Podcast. I'm Nicole Phillips. Dina Pastanji knows that fighting an uphill battle can make you begin to cherish your life. She has used her struggles to help others as a life coach, TEDx speaker, and the author of Surviving Myself, How an Eating Disorder, a Car Accident, and a Stroke Taught Me to Love My Life and Finally Start Living It. So Dina, we often talk about kindness as an act toward others. But it sounds like for you, the struggle was learning how to be kind to yourself. Can you tell us about your journey that uh, eventually led to your book? Yeah, sure. Um, So I, um, as a child, I um, had eating disorders. And um, I only realized after writing the book is that I held so much shame and resentment and anger um, that for the, for the next 20 years after that, I was, became so unkind to myself. And, um, it was only after writing the book that I allowed myself to, um, kind of dig into that and accept who I was and learn. I had to really learn how to be kind to myself and not beat myself up over every single thing. Um, so yeah, that's how I learned. And that, Kindness on myself began to reflect on how I treated others as well. Um, how so? What do you mean by that? You know, when you're when you're that you know mean and um, unkind to yourself, that that is a reflection on how you treat others. And I've noticed such a change over the past. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever been really mean to other people, mm-hmm. but um, it's just allowed me to be more forgiving, more accepting. Um, understand what other people are going through um, just on a day-by-day basis, um, learning how to just smile towards another pe- person. You never know what another person is going through. Um, and and that's been my journey of um, learning how to be kind to myself and others. Mm-hmm. So you said you had an eating disorder when you were a child. So do you mean like that age where where preteen girls and teenage girls kind of kind of can get clicky and, and mean to each other? Or was it something younger than that? No. So um, when I was ten, about 10 years old, um, I just started to notice changes in my body. I didn't like how I looked. And um, I wanted control over that. And I developed, I became anorexic, um, which took me to about before prior to university. And... Um, uh, so it didn't, I just wanted to fit in. I wanted, um, I, I didn't look like, I didn't feel I looked like my peers and I wanted to fit in. Mm-hmm. And that's what, um, allowed me to take control. But in my culture, you don't really talk about things like eating disorders, um, or, or really anything that holds any sort of stigma. And, that kind of caused me to brush it under the rug. So I never really talked about it and allowed myself to be vulnerable and heal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that, that I just held on to for the next 15, 20 years. 
that that shame and guilt had built up so much over time that I hated myself. Um, and I always thought anorexia was my fault. Um, mm. And I wish I had learned how to process it and talk about it. Um, because when you don't talk about it, you don't allow yourself to heal. So I have, have two questions that are that are fighting for the right to be heard. Um, but the first is I just really get the feeling that someone's listening who says, please tell me what you learned about letting go of the anorexia and talking about it that was helpful and healing and important to you? Because that is a really, really big issue. Yeah, um, it was really, um, it was when, when I wrote my book. I, I, like, for when we started writing my book, I thought it was going to be about my stroke and helping other people deal with challenges. But I realized that um, just talking with my editor um, and even saying the word, you know, I was anorexic and that's okay. Um, it, it began the process of healing, but even just saying the words out loud, it's so surprising um, how much healing starts to happen when you just accept exactly who you are and your experiences make you the special person that you are. Mm, powerful. So, yeah. And then the second um, thing that was popping into my head is you mentioned culture. What 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 is your culture that you feel like w didn't want this out in the open? Well, I'm I'm East Indian, mm -hmm. and um, I, I, probably back then um, eating disorders uh, were not known as much of a mental illness, and you you just don't really understand those types of things, and so um, it was just not common practice to. Um, vocalize and share and, and, and deal with that. That my parents came from India and just all my life, it's always been, okay, something happens, you deal with it and you move on. It's not, mm -hmm. you don't really dwell or talk about it or um, really talk about feelings. <laughs> but, um, but, and I think that's, you know, I don't think I'm the only culture that has that. And if I strongly encourage that, Find that person that you feel safe to talk about things, regardless of how other people around you um, deal with it, uh, and just share as much as you can out loud, mm -hmm. or even just start journaling, because, you know, that's what my memoir was, was just me kind of writing down how I felt, um, what I thought other people were thinking of me, um, and just getting it out in the open, because it, that was the process that allowed me to start healing. So the book is called Surviving Myself, How an Eating Disorder, a Car Accident, and a Stroke Taught Me to Love My Life and Finally Start Living It. Yeah. So, so the, the eating disorder wasn't the only mountain. You had the car accident and the stroke. Tell us about what happened in those situations. Sure. So um, the car accident happened, um, I was 28 and I was living in uh, California. I, I lived around the world in my 20s, and um, basically, I was I was driving, and we were hit, and um, I took the brunt of the accident. And um, I was told by the officer on scene that if I had been hit even maybe one inch closer, I would have died. Mm. But again, I, I came back to Toronto. I started brand new uh, corporate life, so it was again another. Not you don't really talk about it. Um, and then about a few months later, 
Um, out of the blue, there, there's no warning signs, but I started to experience these massive headaches and shooting pains up and down my body. And they found a two centimeter mass in my brain. Um, and soon thereafter, I fell unconscious. And it, the reason was I had two strokes that required emergency brain surgery. And when I woke up, I was completely paralyzed. Um, I'm sorry, on the right side of my body. And I couldn't speak and I couldn't move. Um, and that was my stroke where, you know, and with brain surgery, you don't really know if you're ever going to wake, wake up. And if you do wake up, there's no guarantee that you're going to be the same person. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my third brush with death. <laughs> wow. Did, yeah. Did you make a full recovery as far as being uh, having mobility? Obviously, you you speak well. <laughs> yes, I'm actually I'm actually I'm a motivational speaker now and four time TEDx speaker. Um, so yes, I made full recovery in speech and I ran a half marathon about ten months after my stroke. Whoa. So yes, I did make a full recovery, but it was you know again with kindness the people I surrounded myself with or I was lucky to be surrounded with were people that were so positive and so kind and just supporting me every single day that I, I would get back to who I once was mm -hmm. because that was a scary thought you know when I woke up I, I, I didn't know I would be myself again um, and I had to fight every day to you know take that teeny step forward um, whether it was learning how to write or learning how to move my, my foot or take, learning how to say the alphabet. I, I hear you. And I think, I think, well, thank goodness that you didn't just become your old self because, you know, yeah. I'm seeing such amazing power in you. Right. And, and the fact that you can now share that through your writing for the Huffington Post, your four TEDx talks, yeah. you know, it's like, wow, you have taken the things in life that are bad, bad lemons and you have yeah. made, you know, the sweetest lemonade out of it. So what's your message through through your writing, through your TEDx talks for people who are on what feels like the very wrong side of healing? It's really to the reason I, as hard as it was to, to do any of this, it's because each of us are different and you are not alone in your differences, but that's what makes you special. I want everyone to love themselves exactly who they are and not try to be a version of themselves that they think the outside world wants to see or wants them to be. But just look internally and love yourself. So I love those words. I have a teenage daughter, so I love those words for my teenage daughter. But I have a hard time implementing actual steps to help yeah. her and have the right words to help her know that, that that's okay to be yourself exactly how you are. So what sorts of steps can people, what, what do we say? Sure. I do little things every day. So, for example, I have positive affirmations, things like trust your gut, believe in yourself, it's okay to be different, all over my desk, my walls, everywhere I go. Mm. Um, I, I have these reminders. I also do a two-minute meditation every morning to clear my head. Um, things like, you know, when you scroll on social media, to realize that 
you don't need to be perfect and try to um, realize that this is not the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And to, I personally, even every time I get off social media is I just kind of stop myself and say, you know, you are perfect just the way you are um, to remind myself because it's very easy these days on our phones to be caught up in this world of perfection and um, try to strive to be something that we're not. Um, and, And you'll never escape that if you're always trying to be someone else. So it's just those constant little daily reminders to say, no, 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 I'm, I'm good just the way I am. Um, meditation helps. I also um, go on walks every day without, um, you know, without my phone um, to clear my head. Um, it's like that mental, I just, you know, just breathe and walk and look outside and be grateful that I get to walk again. And mm. Uh, Oh, and one thing that I do every night is I write in a gratitude journal. It takes about, you know, just two minutes to write down three things I'm grateful for that day um, and make me smile. Mm -hmm. So there, it's obviously the little things. um, It's nothing monumental, but it kind of keeps me in touch with myself versus the outer world of striving for unattainable perfection. Right. And it sounds like you're pouring into yourself over and over and over all day long. And I think you have to because like noise comes at us, especially in this day and age, so much. And we have to take that reminders to say, remember to look internally. (laughs) (laughs) We're good just the way we are. Well, and, and for me, I have to remind myself that what I see is not always reality. Exactly. We'll get back to our conversation with Dina Pestangi in just a moment. But first, our kindness call, sponsored by Cornwell Properties, where location matters. My name is Kathy Wagner. I live in Edgerton, Wisconsin. And my story is um, one of my favorite acts of kindness each year is on May 1st, which is May Day. And growing up in the 50s and 60s, we celebrated May 1st as the beginning of spring. We would find a basket hung uh, over our house doorknob with treats in it, and it and you didn't know who left that basket behind. Um, in recent years, I've taken a white paper plate and rolled it into a cone, decorate it, and attach a handle. I'll fill those cones with candies, popcorn, pretzels, etc., and I've even planted annual flowers in them. It's so fun hanging them on someone's front door or their car side view mirror and then taking off so that person doesn't know who's left that for them. It's a really fun thing to do, and I love leaving them as well as I enjoy receiving them. Thank you. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Did you know you can be on the Kindness Podcast? Call the Kindness Hotline with your story. You can leave us a voicemail at the number in the description of this podcast. Now, back to the show. I, I posted a picture uh, f- back in like 2015 of my, my perfect cute little family photo. And all of us are sitting on the porch in front of our house. And, you know, it's like the Christmas card photo. Yep. And uh, then one where I'm sitting next to my husband and we're snuggling. And I um, eventually I, I felt like I didn't feel bad about posting those pictures, but I felt like People need to know that this is not like the Phillips family perfect life because the yeah. the night before those 
Those pictures were taken the night before I had my first breast cancer um, oh my God. consultation. Yeah. And so when you really I had a, I have a friend who's a really good photographer. So she she was able to go through and get many of the stress lines out of my forehead. And <laughs> yeah, and um, and even in some of the, the pictures, you can't see it, but I'm 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 full of tears. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just don't know what you see is not reality. It's true. And actually, that was the topic of um, my latest uh, TED Talk, which was um, the amount of pictures I had posted. I actually went back and I um, told the audience what the reality was behind that perfect picture. Oh, cool. Like what? Tell us. So um, there was a picture of me in Paris and I was standing underneath the Eiffel Tower. I was on a boat cruise and... Um, so it, that was, it looked perfect. Yeah. And, um, I walked the audience through what happened after was that I got off the boat cruise. I walked, my friends walked me home and what, when I, I peeked around the corner to make sure no one was in sight and I ended up going across the street and binge eating like I often did, um, and hated myself mm. and I, you know, didn't really want to live. But when you look at that picture, you wouldn't you wouldn't know that 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 was a story behind that picture. Wow. And I had binge I, I had was a binge eater for until till pretty much I wrote the book. And I realized that um, those manifestations of, of guilt and that I blame myself um, was caring, was doing was um, manifesting itself in different ways. Um throughout my life. And I had to really grapple with that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like um, sort of like an alcohol addiction where it it comes back to you every once in a while and it kind of pings you like, hey, don't you want another drink? Yep. Um, it, it does, does it, is it the same way with, with your eating disorder? Um, it was like, and actually, yeah, it was until I opened up and started talking about it and became vulnerable because now I'm not ashamed. Mm. And it was, it was that pivotal time in my life that I, and I did take a, about a year after writing the book to allow myself to heal. I didn't know how much destruction I caused myself. Mm-hmm. So now I don't feel like that as much anymore, but it's still like, you know, I, I still do all these things to remind myself that I'm okay and I don't need to feel guilty and that I'm allowed to be kind to myself um, because reversing the way that you treat yourself, you know, if you've done something for 20 years, it doesn't mag- magically clear up overnight. It's right. a work in progress. So no, I work at it every single day. What role do you think outward kindness plays in inward healing? Um, I think it's it's so it, it's so important. It's little things like smiling at another person, holding the door open for another person. Because I think even just think about the act of smiling. You can't think about something negative when you have a smile on your face or you're laughing. And so I try to treat others on how, how I want to treat myself. And so I try that attempt to always be positive and optimistic um, to other people um, helps me to do the same for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's a gift you give to other people because like we just talked about with those photos, you never know what someone is going through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you have a a favorite kindness story um, that you can share with us before we let you go today? 
Um, it, it was a really random one that I, I don't know why I remember it. But um, so after the stroke, um, I, I don't have full dexterity in my right hand. And, um, you know, I, I still write with my right hand, but it's not perfect. Mm-hmm. And so one morning um, I had, you know, I'd finished chopping. I still use everything with my right hand. So I'd finished um, making my fruits and vegetables for the day, but my hand hurt a lot. And so I just felt was in a crummy mood. And I was like, you know, why can't? why can't my right hand just work the way I want it to? Mm-hmm. And so I just, I started the day off not in the best mood. And I remember someone in the elevator just smiled at me and said, how are you? And it forced me to look at that person and smile back and said, I'm good. How are you? And that conversation, it was, you know, just the course of an elevator ride. It put a smile on my face and it changed my outlook that day. And I, could not believe just the smile and someone saying, acknowledging your presence, mm-hmm. that it really made a, a change my whole day. And that I, I could have walked through that day continuing feeling with that crummy feeling, but it made me happy. They, re- um, they reached in and pulled you out of your own mind. Yeah. And it's just such a small gesture. It doesn't cost anything, but it really makes a difference. Dina, you are a you are a survivor. You are a fighter. You are powerful. This is so wonderful that you would share um, your life with other people through your writing and your speaking. And I just I thank you very much for for what you're teaching people and how you're helping others to heal. Thank you also for talking with us on the podcast today. No, my absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. That was a conversation with Dina Pestangi. You can learn more about Dina by visiting dinapestangi.com. Thanks for listening to The Kindness Podcast. It's produced by WOUB Public Media and relies heavily on the kindness of engineer Adam Rich and intern Chloe Meston. I'm Nicole Phillips. We hope you'll subscribe to The Kindness Podcast wherever you listen and find us on social media at Kindness Podcast. If you like the show, please spread some kindness in the review section. 